From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and uh, it's really good to be here today. I do not have a guest on my show today because I myself wanted to share a few thoughts that I've had. But before I actually begin, I want to tell you about the most amazing coincidences, although... Uh, I must admit they say that coincid- there's no such thing as coincidences. It's simply Hashem's way of remaining anonymous. Last week, just after Isaac Resnick and I had had the show on Jan, Sm- Jan Smuts, General Smuts, which we'd got terrific feedback on, um, my daughter from Israel, Shira, sent me um, an invitation to a, a do that was being uh, advertised in Renana on General Smuts and General Smuts's great grandson, um, Philip Bayers was going to be speaking there. Anyway, I got hold of the person who was organizing it, Peter Bailey, and from there onwards, there was, there was the most amazing set of coincidences. He put me in touch with Philip Bayers, and we ended up realizing that not only were, was there in the, on the Afrikaans side, well, the Smuts side, on Chetroda family between us, but on Philip Bailey's side, the Jewish side, there was also Mishpocha. It was the most amusing, amazing thing. We were all quite flabbergasted from it. I would like to tell you about these two events. We are putting them onto our events page on Chai FM, which you can check on. But in Renana on Sunday, the 5th of November, um, at 1900 hours, there's the um, a centenary celebration for of the Balfour Declaration and Philip Vayers will be talking there. And then there is a Tiul that is going to Kibbutz uh, um, um, Ramat Yohanan, which is named after Jan Christian Smuts, um, because of his involvement in the build up um, and the, the signing and everything of the Balfour Declaration. Um, and I am actually incredibly excited to say that I am going to be there for it. I have decided that there were just far too many synchronous, there was far too much synchronicity and coincidences and definitely Hashem's hand was working in this and I booked a ticket. This, the tour that is going to the kibbutz is on Thursday, the 2nd of November. And the departure times will be, will be announced. If you want to know anything about it, please contact Philip, uh, Peter Bailey on P-E-T-E-Y-B-4 at gmail.com. You can also look under Telfed Israel and I'm sure you'll get all the, um, information there and buses will be going from Renana, from Tel Aviv, from Modi'in, from Jerusalem, from all over. So I think it's going to be a very interesting, exciting event and uh, Philip Vays will be showing, uh, talking about his great-grandfather and showing films and the kibbutz are going to be hosting us as well. Now what I want to talk about today is firstly I have got some really lovely YouTubes to to share with you, and um, there, there's such wisdom in them, and I hope you're going to enjoy them. Um, 
Lately, I have realized how incredible it is to be a part of a community. And so I have actually called this talk today, Together We Are One, because I have realized that something greater than any of us can imagine has been coming out of the recent really sad tragedies that has hit our community. Um, I once watched a short video called "We Could See." If we could see inside others' hearts, um, what would we actually see? And it was such an emotional eye opener that since then I have never been able to brush past someone. And if a person wants to chat to me, whether he or she is a stranger or not, I will definitely try to make the time to connect. And many times I'm amazed at the a conversation that occurs, but more than that, how uplifted and good it makes me feel. So it's not about the other person always. It's about ourselves too. What can we do to travel this world together to actually help each other along the way? It is our human need to connect to be recognized as having worth, and therefore this is such an integral part of our lives. I mean, how often do you stop at a robot and you see these youngsters doing their juggling tricks or standing on their heads or doing amazing tricks and we try very hard not to look at them because we don't want to make eye contact because then they'll come up to our windows and ask for money. So we try to ignore them. Meanwhile, you know, I was just looking at them the other day when I was driving up to Eastgate and I thought to myself, these youngsters are smiling every day for the, the drivers who are going past, who are taking no notice of them mostly, and they are keeping smiles in their face and having the energy to go on doing their tricks, trying to get someone to notice them. Now, is it so hard to notice them? How often do we ignore the packers at the store because uh, we are on our cell phone. What about when we drive out of our garages and forget to say good morning to the garbage collectors, the postman when he arrives, the guards on the corner? What about the gardeners who work in our area and have worked there for ages and watch us driving in and out of our driveways and ignoring them? What must they think? Really, I do think that we all need to stop and recognize that it is in, it's, it's an integral part of our lives to show that we have actually seen you. You know, there's that story of, I've told it many times before, about the toilet cleaner at NASA. And when he was at NASA, the, the space center in America, and when he was asked, what do you do? He said, I put man on the moon. Now, I think that's what we need to recognize in one another, the greatness in each of us, and begin to recognize it in ourselves as well. Out of extreme tragedy lately, I have witnessed our community coming together to work towards a common purpose. And instead of feeling the helplessness that comes when, you, when there is such a, a, a loss, and wondering what you can do to help or to say when there is, there are no words that you can actually say. 
people, some of them friends, some family, some acquaintances, and some even strangers, have joined hands to make a difference. All there to show support and care and to lend their energy to a greater cause, a purpose. You know, Albert Canis, the French philosopher, said, Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Do you know, so often... We think if we go into a house of mourning, a shiva house, we have to say something. But it's not that. It's so often it is just the comfort of our presence that is actually needed there. So to somebody, you know, the biggest problems in life are ignorance and indifference. And he replied, well, I don't know. And even if I did, I couldn't care. So, you know, you take the point that uh, somehow or other indifference is a kind of deadness of the soul. You know, you're all muffled in layers and wrappings of self-absorption. And that kind of uh, inability to be moved by events and people, that really is a kind of deadness of the soul. I think of that moment when Moses, as a young man, goes out and sees his people. The Bible describes it very, very simply in just a few words. He grew up, he went out to his brothers, and he saw their suffering. And you know that that is the decisive moment in his life because he sees people suffering. And he understands, these are my people. I cannot walk away. And I think anyone with any kind of soul feels that moment at a certain point of time. I mean, just think of Moses, the life in front of him, prince of Egypt, life in a palace, power, wealth, whatever you want. The, uh, how would you put it today, the little uh, summer house in Cap d'Antibes, the, you know, the Lamborghini to do the shopping, and this kind of stuff, wardrobe full of Armani suits everything you ever wanted. That's what Moses had stretching in front of him on the one hand. On the other, a life of adversity, leading a people who are pretty difficult to lead through 40 years of a desert. How did he choose to do that rather than that? Had he chosen that way, he would have lived a life of luxury and he would be forgotten two days after he died. Here was a life of adversity and we still haven't forgotten him. 33 centuries later. Why did he make that choice? Because when we see our brothers and sisters suffering, if there is the tiniest spark of Moses in us, we cannot walk away. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm with you today talking about Together We Are One. And I'm really hoping that you will SMS me on 34519 or WhatsApp me on 062-148-2374 with your own opinions of what it is to actually be together as a community 
And as Rabbi Sachs says, not to walk through life with indifference. You know, there are so many losses, but loss, the loss that comes with indifference is a loss against our very soul because it leaves us with emptiness, with no purpose and no meaning. And there is this Moses in all of us. And sometimes we have to search hard for it. And it does take courage to bring it out, to step forward and to say, I will be a part of this purpose. A tragic loss of a young person definitely leaves us all feeling very, very vulnerable. There are no answers that satisfies our cry of why. Why should this tragedy happen? Our questioning. We are not going to get an answer. And to the chief mourners, the shock, the anger, the disbelief, and the many mixed emotions become a part of their every waking moments. They are living in every parent's worst nightmare. The siblings trying to make sense of this loss, grandparents trying to help their children and grandchildren while feeling their own severe pain. And what I have noticed, and people have actually mentioned it to me, and just recently my, my daughter-in-law Leanne mentioned it to me, that what she has realized is that so often the housekeeper in the family who has been with the family for years and years and years and has literally brought up the, the children in, in her care, um, in her em employees' home, um, are the, the, those ca caregivers are often overlooked and they too are feeling such pain. So I think it's very necessary for us to be aware of that and to have empathy for them as well. Um, I must admit, I have become stunned at the outcome of our community, and I'm incredibly proud of them. And yesterday, I received a, um, a WhatsApp about uh, Hugo uh, Greenhood's, um, it's called Hugo's Greenhood's uh, uh, um, album This that came through. But... What it's about, uh, Hugo Paluch's uh, dream, which has taken on a life of its own. Hugo died very tragically this year, and um, but his dream has become and continues to become as great as he ever wanted it to be. He had reached out to the men who recycle the the plastic and um, and going from dustbin to dustbin filling them their, their own packets with them and you see them on all the roads pushing these very very happy uh, heavy sorry not happy but heavy loads but mind you when i say happy they're often chatting to each other and and they do find uh, happiness with each other with um, in company but hugo realized their plight and he started reaching out to them. Now he was a young boy and this Hugo's Greenhood has been launched at the Yeshiva College which was um, Hugo's school and it said it has been an incredible privilege to launch Hugo's Greenhood over the last few days at the Yeshiva College beginning with inspirational and exciting assemblies last week and then moving on to classroom education our children are being transformed through learning about Hugo's project and dreams.
Our learners have met and discussed the concept of recycling with these brave men and have already grown so much from learning about their life stories. This was Hugo's dream and legacy, to see the unseen and to give these men a real chance at a better life. And the school goes on to say it is their privilege to be the pilot school and they look forward to going on with this project. Now, uh, what I have noticed talking to young young children, whether they've been my grandchildren or my grandchildren's friends or whoever, is that they are all looking at people very differently. You know, they are recognizing the very hard work of these men who are seen um, often in rags walking down all the streets, pushing their heavy, heavy loads. And I I do believe that it's actually teaching people, young people and older people, empathy. I saw a a clip on um, a whole lot of uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of plastic dustbins which were donated and I saw these being painted at the school and and they will be used for the recycling project. So, you know, the, the kids seem to be really involved in this and, and having fun and uh, Hugo's dream definitely lives on. Then we are all human and what is sometimes an incredibly hard job to get a, a project going um, something that is worthwhile takes a lot of energy and I really would like to say to all of you some of you are in my family some of you I don't know at all but I would like to say to all of you I am just so incredibly proud of the work that you are doing there's young Lexi Taz and I saw a, bo- a board with beautiful words that are on it that said positive, grateful Humble, caring, happy, kind. And then at the bottom it said, in loving memory of Lexi. Lexi too died at a very young age and and very sadly. But I also saw photos of adults, men, women and children, some family, some good friends, some from various Shia groups who never even knew the Taos. But all were at this one assembly place, enthusiastically involved in packing boxes, Santa's boxes for needy young people between the ages of 4 and 18. The best part of your day, at the heart of your community. All the talk, all the music, all the news. Hi FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. I'm here again with Finding Human. And I am hoping that you're enjoying uh, the show so far. And I would really like to hear from you if you have anything to, to WhatsApp me on 062-148-2374 or SMS on 34519 if you have any comments to make. And I know that many Many of us have found meaning in what is happening at the moment. And, you know, that was Rabbi Tversky talking about purpose. And um, I have especially left out the names of people that I happen to know who have been involved in these different projects. On purpose, I've left out the names because I know that each of you want to remain anonymous and that also 
you yourselves have said that you have found meaning and purpose in what you have done. Now, meaning and purpose does often comes with exhaustion when you're putting together a project. And um, I, I was telling you about the the, the packages that were being um, done in Lexi Tao's name. And these are Santa's boxes, which are, are done every year. And I will be uh, discussing it with the person who actually does it. Um, and uh, when I looked at the photos, what I saw were people again united for a common purpose, to find something meaningful to do in Lexi's name, to take away that sense of helplessness, of not knowing what to say or what to do. There was unbelievable connection and care. There were men's sheer groups there who didn't even know the, the, the mourners. There were women's shearim groups there. They all had joined for a common cause. There was fun. There was laughter. There was tears, and I must admit, I, I I was amazed when I saw the packets of what was going into these packs, of clothing, stationery, toiletries, and the, the the packs were decorated by the children and looked absolutely beautiful, and will be handed out to needy children, and uh, between the ages of four and eighteen. Now, Natalie Wolf fought a long and difficult battle against cystic fibrosis. She survived a lung transplant and with the support of her loving family, family and incredible friends, she battled to live. The defiant power of the human spirit was there for all to see as she fought her illness. Uh, it was um, actually, I think people who knew her could not believe uh, the courage that she actually faced um, her illness with and the courage her family found to help Natalie survive this long, very hard journey of hers. They are an example to us all. As a community, it has been very difficult to see the suffering in loss, but it has been our absolute privilege to work, work towards a greater purpose as we all search for meaning. I wish each family, it's coming up towards the end of the year, and I'm not going to be here next week, but I wish each family strength and the courage to reinvest in your lives. There is an amazing poem that I'd like to read, and it says, After a while you learn, and it's by Veronica Schofstall. This is for all of you who are have been helping your friends, who have been reaching out to others, and for yourselves in your own life. After a while you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul. And you learn that love doesn't mean leaning and company doesn't always mean security. And you begin to learn that kisses are not contracts and presents aren't promises. And you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes ahead, with the grace of a woman or a man, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your roads on today. Because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. 
After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much. So, you plant your own garden. You decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure. You really are strong. You really do have worth. And you learn and you learn with every goodbye you learn. That is a particularly moving poem. Um, I read a quote the other day that actually resonated with me and it said, Working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. Now, I couldn't agree with this entirely because many times the work that gives my life meaning and purpose also comes with despair and stress. And I realize, quite honestly, the value of the people we surround ourselves with. We need to recognize who will take us higher and who will try to keep us down. As I said, the topic was, or is, together we are one. And I would like to tell you a story of that goes back a long, long time in my, my own life. And there's a certain synchronicity that comes with some of the meetings of friends. Well, Jenny and I are one such friendship. We met when we were 18 and had started nursing. Thank heavens for the alphabet. Her surname started with a C, mine started with a D. So we were lumped together and we were sent to college, the nursing college, for three months instead of to the hospital wards. We had both come from the very protected environment of private girls' boarding schools. The first three months were great fun. We met people that we would otherwise never have met, and we saw a world out there which was very different to the world that we had uh, witnessed or lived in. Um, we believed we were there to reach out and care for others. This was our altruistic dream of why we had chosen nursing. We then went onto the wards for five months where we were the most junior nurses and did the most menial jobs. However, the reality was soon to be discovered. No sooner had we finished the five months when the two of us were put onto night duty. Not only night duty, but each of us was put in charge of a medical ward with 30 patients in each ward. These were the long, long wards at the old gen. Fortunately, you don't have those now at uh, any of the newer hospitals. Jenny was put in the female medical ward and I was put in the male medical ward. There were very many ill patients in these wards and never was our friendship put to the test as it was there when we ourselves were tested literally every hour of those long, arduous nights. I can tell you that we had one inexperienced nurse under us. That was it. And we were supposed to be the most experienced. And we had literally had five months' experience. That was it. We had a night supervisor who checked in on us once or twice a night. In our 12-hour shift, I might add, we had one hour off. And if there was a bed spare, we would jump onto that bed 
and have a quick hour's sleep. We were never allowed off at the same time, though. If there were no beds involved uh, or uh, uh, available, we would actually find a pillow, mostly without a pillow slip, and put it in the bath, empty bath, and sleep in the bath. It's amazing where you can sleep when you are really, really tired. Now, between the two wards was a corridor, which was a godsend to us, as this is what kept us connected and sane. It was here that we were able to comfort each other when we were frightened by the responsibility of caring for such ill patients. It was also here when we we were able to comfort each other when we were faced with death for the first time or when we had to break the news to the relatives. Often we were just so exhausted and we, when we eventually, after our 12 hours our shift, would go off duty, the two of us in exhaustion would start to laugh. Often we would be having breakfast and looking at each other, seeing each other's faces and beginning to laugh. Well, you know, Viktor Frankl said that humor is a weapon of the soul. And certainly it was either that, either laughing or crying. I must admit we did do both. We had to do the medicines, change the drips, do the injections, write the reports, comfort very often scared patients, never mind that we were scared ourselves, but we had to pretend not to be, and uh, uh, make beds, bath patients who couldn't wash themselves. There was no such thing as uh, talking through these experiences with a support group afterwards. There was there were certainly no support groups. You just helped each other and got on with it. Every eight nights, we would have two nights off, Today, when we look back, we realize this experience was actually a defining moment. Jen, if you're listening in, I actually have a photo of you here, and I'm talking to your photograph. We did prove that we were professional, but we could never have done it without the support of each other. We both thought of quitting nursing after that experience, but we didn't. And even though we have not nursed in a very long time, it certainly remains who we are and has been a part of the people we have become. And when I spoke to Jenny just yesterday, we both said it was an incredible grounding for for both of us to actually grow. We have supported each other through the good times, the sad times, and sometimes through madness. We continue to cry together if need be, and we certainly laugh a lot together too. So surround yourself with people who are going to take you higher. Do you know that we also connected in a in a very amusing place and she sent me a photo from there um, last month because she was in London. It was we had arranged to meet in London under the statue of Eros and there the two of us were and she sent me a photo of her there and it brought back so many memories. It really did. Do you know, we going back to to the journey through life, Sometimes we feel incredibly stuck and we we wonder how we are going to actually move 
forward. And I, I certainly know, I can speak for myself when I say that sometimes I am focused on my fears rather than on my dreams. And I do listen to a lot of TED Talks, to YouTubes. I go to Shirim. And I know that Rabbi Levi Upson's coming on um, at 1 o'clock today. Please listen in to him because he always has such good advice for all of us. Um, we all long to feel connected. And some people are lucky to connect with a life partner who with truth and care does help them grow. Sometimes the truth is not always easy to hear, but I think someone who really does value us can tell it to us in a way that will help us to grow. Um, I know that I do speak for myself often when I do say about the fear, and fear is something that... Uh, we do live with. And Kathy came through just now to say that a, a bomb had gone off in, in, Haifa, in, in Haifa in Israel. And we haven't heard uh, much more about that. And um, I actually hope that we, we will before uh, in the new, next news. But to anyone uh, listening in from Israel, and I know we do have a lot of listeners there, we, we are thinking of you and, and send you strength. Once, when driving on a road outside of Brits, the entire road appeared to be full of potholes. We would just dodge one, then we would hit the next. The driver, who shall remain nameless, swerved and braked and used many expletives about the state of our roads, the state of our country and our economy. Personally, I let him rant on and on, but could honestly not join him in his tirade. It took too much energy to do so. But I also knew that was a it was a total waste of time and energy to get so angry over something that we had no control over. After all, this was the only road that would get us to our destination. There were no other roads that we could have taken, so we had to put up with the potholes. They were, they were certainly never miraculously going to disappear. Now, whether you drive yourself or take public uh, transport, you will agree that our roads are full of potholes. And you can suddenly be jolted by one, sometimes one only, other times multiple ones that make you grab onto the seat in front of you or the person next to you. This is like our destiny. It is never without obstacles. Some are certainly easy to handle. We can go around them. So there I was in shul the other day. It was a couple of days before the first day of the month. And there's a certain prayer that we say. It's called Kiddush HaChodesh. And, you know, we're going to bring in the new month. And one of the phrases that are in there are, Chaveirim kol Yisrael v'nomar amen. All of Israel are friends. And let us say amen. And I was thinking as I'm reading this, is this a joke? Is this a, is this a prayer? Is this a hope? Because, uh, excuse my cynicism, but I don't know that all the Jewish people are exactly friends. So what, what exactly does this mean? 
But the truth is, when you look into the whole prayer, the context of where it's said, it means it is a prayer, right? Hopefully, when the times of the Messiah will come, we're all going to be friends, everything's going to be great. But when I thought a little bit deeper, I realized that really we all are friends. We just sometimes don't realize it. So, they tell a story. There was a fellow driving down the road, a Jew driving down the road, and he notices on the side of the road a fellow Jew wearing a kippah. Something must be wrong with his car. Pulls over, starts to help him. In the middle of helping him, he notices something's a little bit off. There's not one thing that seemed Jewish about this guy except for the kippah on his head. I said to him, Shalom. He looks at me like from another planet. So I finally, you know, I came straight out. I said, tell me, are you Jewish? And he says to me, am I what? So I realized, okay, that basically answered my question. So tell me, why are you wearing a kippah? So he says, wearing a who? So I said, you know, that thing on your head, why are you wearing the hat? The hat. He goes, oh, this. He goes, very simple. My mother told me, always keep one of these in your glove compartment. Because if you break it down and you put it on, someone will stop for you. What is that? What happened over here? The answer is very simple. He's family. Despite our differences, despite our backgrounds, despite whatever it may be, bottom line is, this is my brother. And if my brother needs my help, then I'm going to be there for him. So the reality is, when we're saying, Chaverim kol Yisrael, all the Israelites, so we're, all, we're all friends. The truth is, we are all friends. We just have to get rid of all that junk that we put on top of us. And the truth is, all of humanity should love and care for one another. Because we're all created in the image of God. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And you've just been listening to Rabbi Gabriel Friedman. And I actually found his talk quite amazing because it is so true that we are all one and brothers need one another's help. And as he said, we are all human. So we don't need to distinguish between who belongs to which tribe in order to actually need our care. We are there to help one another. You know, I was um, telling you, now about um, um, how in going into shul over Yontif, I actually found it quite interesting to to notice that there were new members there, and I saw that they were they felt a bit out of it. And one person actually uh, said to me that she feels incredibly lonely. And um, I asked, you know, what we could do about it. And she said, well, she wasn't sure how she could actually become involved, more involved. And uh, they, uh, I, I, I did tell her how to join different shirim, to fit in with her age group and what have you, and in that way become connected. Um, I think we need to become aware of it because sometimes we ourselves surround ourselves with people who we care about, who we enjoy seeing on a Shabbos or on a Yontif or whatever, and we forget to look around the shul and see that there are some people sitting on their own and some of them 
are, are there because of loss. Some of them are there to say yes for Yisko. Whatever it is, I think it is necessary for us, as Rabbi Gabriel Friedman says, to recognize that our brother needs our help and actually go and help them. Now, I was talking to you about the different challenges that we face and as we move forward. And that some of the obstacles are easy to handle and we can go around them. Others need to be navigated. Thank goodness we now have ways and we have uh, Google Maps, but we also have a lot of other YouTube's technology has opened up a whole new world for us to actually learn and, and to grow. Um, Sometimes we are literally stopped in our tracks and we have to stop and gasp for breath. Um, at times we have to face our challenges alone and in doing so we do get the courage to move forward. Um, some people prefer to actually face a challenge alone and go on with it. Um, there is this amazing poem by Ben Okri and it says it's quite a long poem but it's called um, to an English friend in Africa. Be grateful for freedom to see other dreams. Bless your loneliness as much as you drank of your former companionships. All that you are experiencing now will become moods of future joys, so bless it all. Do not think your ways superior to another's. Do not venture to judge, but see things with fresh and open eyes. Do not condemn but praise what you can, and when you can't, stay silent. Time is now a gift for you, a gift of freedom, to think and remember and understand the ever-perplexing past and to recreate yourself anew in order to transform time. Live while you are alive. Learn the ways of silence and wisdom. Learn to act. Learn a new speech. Learn to be what you are in the seed of your spirit. Learn to free yourself from all things that have molded you and which limit your secret and undiscovered road. Remember that all things which happen to you are raw materials, endlessly fertile, endlessly yielding of thoughts that could change your life and go on doing forever. Never forget to pray and be thankful for all the things good or bad on the rich road, for everything is changeable so long as you live while you are alive. Fear not, but be full of light and love. Fear not, but be alert and receptive. Fear not, but act decisively when you should. Fear not, but know when to stop. Fear not, for you are loved by me. Fear not, for death is not the real terror, but life magically is. Be joyful in your silence. Be strong in your patience. Do not try to wrestle with the universe, but be sometimes like water or air, sometimes like fire. Live slowly. Think slowly. For time is a mystery. Never forget that love requires that you be the greatest person you are capable of being. Self-generating, strong and gentle. Your own hero, your own star. 
love demands the best in us and from us to always and in time overcome the worst and lowest in our souls. Love the world wisely. It is love alone that is the greatest weapon and the deepest and the hardest secret. So fear not, my friend. The darkness is gentler than you think. Be grateful for the manifold dreams of creation and the many ways of unnumbered people. Be grateful for life as you live it, and may a wonderful light always guide you on the unfolding road. That very beautiful poem is by Ben Oakry, and um, it's called To an English Friend in Africa, and it says it all. And um, I am going to wrap up now. I will not be here next week. I will be in Israel, but uh, there will definitely be a podcast on. And please remember, if any of you are in Israel, to to come to the Smuts, the Centenary, um, the Teal at the Kibbutz Ramat Yohanan, um, named after Jan Christian Smuts. And if you would like to come, it's on Thursday, the 2nd of November. Please contact um, the Telfed or Peter Bailey on at p e t e y b four at gmail dot com. I look forward to meeting you there. Thank you and God bless.